Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Good evening, Cleveland Browns fans. Welcome back to the OBR Twitch channel. I am Stephen Thomas uh, at Brown for Mock Draft on Twitter. It's good to be back with you. With me, as always, is Boinka. Boinka the Tiki. As you know, if you're a regular viewer, is very bad. Steal Boinka's rum is very bad. For those of you who joined a little early, I'm sure you recognize, and you're old enough to remember the iconic Burt Reynolds movie, Deliverance, you recognize the dueling banjos, which we uh, threw together uh, for our dueling mock drafts intro. And uh, for the music police out there, it was a cover. So no no royalty police, please come on in here. It's good to be back with you guys. As you can hear, my voice is still recovering almost all the way back. I've got my pharmacy here to help me get through the night here. And uh, just real quick before I bring the other guys in, because we've got a fun show planned for you here tonight. Uh, I want to thank Jake for taking over the daily mock drafts for Saturday mocks and everything else that, uh, that he took over for me while I was at Disney. I was there with my five and seven year old nephews. It was their first trip to the house of mouse. So it was five straight days of wonder from them, which is the whole point. It makes everything worth it. When you see that face that, Ooh, so it was fantastic. Uh, and for me, I was seven years old when star Wars came out. Uh, and so to be able to sit in the cockpit of the millennium Falcon and then, Go see Rise of the Resistance. Uh, I I geeked out. I was uh, I was pretty out of control for a middle aged man. I was seven years old again and, and enjoyed it immensely. But it's good to be back here with you now. Uh, as you guys saw today, the rumor mill is starting to uh, crank up, and it's only going to get louder here over the next couple of weeks as free agency draws near. Tonight, we're going to be doing what we always do on Tuesday: dueling mock drafts, three of them to be uh, to be precise. I'm joined by two. Uh, guys, you know and love two of the smartest football minds I know. The first, uh, the uh, film best film guy uh, who's currently muted uh, in Cleveland. Uh, you know him. You love him. He put out a tremendous uh, article today for VIP subscribers on some of the younger options on the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns. Jake Burns, how you doing, Jake? Steve, what's up, man? Happy to be here and happy you're finally doing the mocks again. I don't know how you do it every day, so kudos to you, brother. <laughs> well, you, you did some great stuff while I was gone. You looked at a whole bunch of different options. And uh, for those of you who read it tomorrow, just back to boring old staying at 13 and not trading. So, you know, I'm sorry about that. Uh, it was I got way real more fun funky. with Jake. Got real funky on the trades, man. It, it was Couldn't great. And yes, he did uh, right there. Uh, oh, I retired. He did a fantastic job. It was wonderful. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I thank him tremendously uh, for uh, pleasure, taking buddy. over for me. Quick shout out, uh, JJ Shambo, subscribed to Tier 1. Six months they've subscribed, four months in a row. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, you can do that at that purple button right down there. If you do not, uh, if you have Amazon Prime, the very first uh, link that I put, scroll all the way back to the top of the chat. If you're new around here, you can get a free subscription to the OBR ch- uh, Twitch via Amazon Prime, uh, and uh, we would appreciate that for sure. This the, our, our third guest uh, here tonight. You also know him. You also love him. A, uh, a former, technically a former OBR denizen, but once an OBR denizen, always an OBR denizen. The, the man, the myth, the legend, Brent Sobleski. Sobo, thanks for being here, man. Thank you for having me, as always. And you have your medicine cabinet sitting around you. As always, I have my medicine as well. <laughs> what are we drinking tonight, Sobo? We always have to start when you're on by you telling us what brew you've got. This is of. actually a Schwarz beer from Gamut in Columbus, a beer garden that specializes, obviously, in Eastern European 
style brews. Uh, it, it's a black lager that is high malt, hence the dark color, and it kind of takes on properties of a stout. So low ABV, but still wonderful flavor. The analytics of beer drinking only here at the OBR, you know, and uh, we bring you all angles. We bring you all kinds of fun. But uh, this is our third week or, or is this a fourth week? I don't even know anymore uh, of dueling, doing dueling mocks every Tuesday. Uh, so <laughs> uh, 30 weight. Yeah, it's, it's summer. It's 30 weight, but it's definitely motor oil. Um, that was you know, Steve. Actually, that was Steve playing music live. Yes. This before we started. You guys. Yes. Maybe we'll have you on video next time doing that. So yeah, we don't have yeah. The... Well, we actually want people to watch, so I don't think that would be a good. <laughs> that would only be uh, slightly better than the OnlyFans idea with me that somebody had mm. last week. That would we would not only would we not make any money, we would owe people money if we tried to do that. Um, for those of you who uh, are new around here, very quickly, what we do is uh, the three of us each use a different mock draft simulator. Uh, we do our own drafts. The only thing that we have in common is what you see scrolling across the bottom of the screen there, the free agency and the cuts. So that way we all start into the draft on an even playing field. We're bringing back David Njoku, Jadevian Clowney, MJ Stewart, Sheldon Day, and Anthony Walker, going out into free agency, uh, getting Russell Gage and Josh Reynolds to lower uh, cost uh, free agents, but uh, good guys. Where DJ Jones, I think, would be a fantastic signing. Uh, also backing him up with Tim Settle. Bringing in Justin Houston for a veteran veteran presence along with Jadavian Clowney and then Cornelius Lucas. Uh, because, as you see there on the cut list, uh, we have decided to, for tonight only, what happens if Conklin's injury is bad enough that he's not back? So along with Landry Hooper and Keenum, we decided to explore that tonight. What if he's not back? They have to make a move at that point. They can't go into uh, the draft without a, a bringing in a free agent tackle. Uh, so let's uh, go, quickly go around the room. I will be using uh, the uh, uh, NFL mock draft, uh, NFL mock draft database simulator. Uh, Jake, which one are you going to be using? Uh, I will have draft network. So make sure we all share our screen so we can, Pop in and out of our boards if we can, fellas. So we'll a little link down there at the bottom if you see it to share right. your screen. Oh, Do you see it down there? This yes, is sir. mine. I am uh, uh, NFL Mock Draft Database, which you've never, if you've never used it, it's not as big of a name as some of the other ones, but I think they do a great job. And plus, it's got fun colors, and I'm always easily distracted by. They do a good job. They're not. They're not as well known, but they do a, a good job with it. They do a very good job. Excellent. Uh, and yeah. Sobo, you go ahead and, uh, and share your screen. Which uh, which simulator are you going to be using? I will have Pro Football Network, and I will say this. Did it come up? Probably not. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, down at the bottom, it'll say share, and then just uh, share your window. Wait. That, that, see, this is what you get when you get the, the guy that hasn't done this before. <laughs> <laughs> we probably should have talked about this ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. That's the thing. I should have said something. If not, you can always walk us through who's up and we can go through it. It's not the end of the world. Me BSing yeah. would, would work along the way. So I apologize for never messing with this before. So, yeah, not a problem. You'll figure it out, I'm sure. It's not that <laughs> difficult. Uh, we'll go as so we'll give Sobo a, a couple of minutes to figure it out here. Normally, we let our guest uh, be the first picker, but Jake, you go ahead and be first. That way, Sobo, you can uh, try to figure it out down there. Okay, hang on. Let me make my screen a little. A little bigger so we can see it. Let me add mine and maybe even 150. Yeah, I like that a little more. Okay, so let's start us off. Going to be a lot of the names at the top we've all expected. 
took Charles Cross in today's mock draft because he fell to 13 and we had let go of Conklin. So, okay. So let's, you know me, guys. I'm always ears up on trades. <laughs> so they're offering one, a three, a four, and a four to come up, but I also got to give them a four back. From not, where, 18? I, yeah, I'm not yeah and then we, you could get 100. Yeah, pick 30 to go back. You get... Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not loving either of those trades. Can't counter, I don't think so. No, I'm good. I just if this pick here was better, I'd be enticed, but not I'm not crazy about either of those offers. So let's see what's on the board. Gone early is Traylon Burks is the only wide receiver off the board. Um Stingley goes ten, Coral goes twelve, Malik Willis is gone at nine. So interesting. Ahmad Gardner is a really good player. Trevon Walker is a really good player. Where do you guys have Walker at on your uh, Bleacher Report big board, Sobo? We're actually not as high on him. I was actually stunned today to see Daniel Jeremiah have him top five in his mock draft. And we have him second round because you're looking uh, – fantastic athlete, very physical. You love the traits as a base end that can reduce down. But at the same time, is he going to be that explosive edge? And how do you want to properly utilize him? And that's really the questions we have. I dig it. So this is where I'm in an interesting spot. I mean, I think Andrew Booth is phenomenal. I obviously like, hmm, hmm, there's a lot of fun names here. I feel like every one of these, though, so far, I've taken Drake London. It'd be really hard to pass on him at 13, Steve. Who's that? Drake. I mean, I know they're a little lower on him. Down right. to 26. Him or Garrett Wilson. It would be very hard to pass on. Or Burks. I mean, you know, that, that's I mean, the that's the pickle and the positive, you know, uh, about this. People are going to end up fighting each other in the streets over it, but you try to step back and look at it. The good part about all that fighting means there's multiple guys that make perfect sense if they want to go wide receiver there. They have yeah. they have great – it's a nice problem to have. So um, – and especially since we went with two lower-tier guys, we didn't go out and snag a, you know – wide receiver one in free agency or anything like that for this simulator. I, I, I would think probably you go with one of the uh, wide receivers, but uh, I mean, uh, did I see Ohabo still there? It would be very, it'd be tough to pass up on him too. There's a lot of, a lot of good names, a lot of good names. Just um, interested to see what, what I can do at this spot, man. I think like the best player on the board here that's still left it's probably London for me. I, man, I feel like I do these all the same. Whatever. I'm just going to take him because I really like him. So I'm going to take London. And, you know, I just, all right. Based I'm on gonna... who we signed, I think that you need a receiver and he's the top guy for me. So, all right. Uh, tell, tell us what you like about him. I'll put some, uh, I'll put some stats. Sorry. I didn't there. mean to take that off the board. I'm screwing you up. Uh, I mean, you know, he's 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 got experience in both. But I like flexibility and position, right? Two years of experience in the slot, year of, of experience in wild production outside. If you look at I know some concerns are about the route tree that he runs as an outside receiver uh, or as his collective whole, the route tree runs being an NFL route tree. If you look at what he did as a as an outside player, he he definitely, to me, flash the ability to play outside just fine. The, the typical slants, outs, you know, all the in-breaking routes, digs, takeoffs, that stuff you're seeing here on the screen right now. Like, he can do it all. He's got length. He's got size. 
creates better separation than people want to try to give him credit for, in my opinion. And, um, you know, he can do a little bit of that, too. He can go up and get the football at, at contested catch point, and he's young. He's young as hell, so he's at 20 years old for most of the year. So I, I'm I'm more than happy if they get him at 13. I know his his board here, he's 26th on uh, the draft network. Uh, I know that I think the Bleacher Report has him as their top guy overall, and I know um, some other places have him behind some other guy. So I, the testing will be huge, Steve. That's That's going to be – if he tests, I have not heard if he's testing or not of you. I don't know. Maybe he's waiting until later pro day. I'm not sure what that looks like for him. I don't know where he's at in his recovery, but if he tests really well, it's to me like no brainer. Well, I, I mean, as, as has come to light yet again, Sobo in the last week or so from the NFL standpoint, from the team standpoint, the medicals and the, uh, the interviews, the FaceTime is far more important than the drills and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it matters. Sure, they watch it and everything. But the only time they really take notice of it is when there's something wildly out of whack from what they saw on tape one way uh, or the other. And uh, I know you're a big fan uh, of London. And as far as the route tree goes, and so I want to see what you think of this. I've, I've heard those same things, and it's, and it's true. He doesn't run the whole tree. But the ones he does run, he runs them very well. And like Jake said, he's only 20 years old. So there's really no reason to believe that when they, he starts learning those other ones, he can't run those just as well, right? Well, the thing that I like about him is when you he does things that you shouldn't be able to do at his size, right? Whether you see how he sinks with his hips or the foot quickness for a six foot five wide receiver. I'm going you guys know I hate doing comparisons because people take them out of context, but I'm thinking mm-hmm. of it just purely as a prospect. He's built similarly and has certain physical traits that are reminiscent of A.J. Green when he was coming out of Georgia because of that length, because of the build, because of being able to do the things he does at his size that aren't typical for the position. Now, to Jake's point, he's absolutely right. There are concerns, obviously, about the injury, so we'll have to see where that where that occurs. I think he'll be fully healed, as far as I know, uh, what he'll run. If you want to use Green as a template, he's a 4-5 wide receiver. Some people think A.J. Green ran a 4-3. No, he did not. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones ran a 4-3. A.J. Green ran a 4-5. Mike Evans ran a 4-5-4. So that, that's just kind of your baseline that you're looking for, just to know where that type of wide receiver fits into the scheme of things. And then finally with the route combination. Well, I don't know about you, Jake, but I watched I, – I just put on a couple games yesterday just for the fun of it, and it's like how many smoke or bubble routes can they – can they run <laughs> with Drake London? And it's just annoying because it's it's so simplistic. And they just relied on him to create after the catch time after time after time. But if you see him, some of those back shoulder throws when he throttles down in those in those cornerbacks are left hanging with two, three yard separation, you're like, ah, there it is. Or he the thing I like that you don't see with a ton of wide receivers, especially bigger ones at his age, he sells routes. You get the head fakes, you get the jab steps, you get the little things that are necessary, even at a very young age, to be a successful wide receiver. Yeah, I think, like I said, I saw a comparison, like analyzing route tree of the top seven guys in this draft, and they were like strongly skewed to others. Well, I mean, I'm like, if you go look at just last year when he became a typical outside receiver, he actually did run a lot of the popular NFL route tree stuff. Mm-hmm. So more than his, I mean, you're not going to run the same route tree as a heavy slot player as you are outside. So mm-hmm. I think that's pretty easy to deduce. And like you said, when he, when he, when he was asked to do those things, he can do them. So it's, you know, just a matter of what your offense is looking for from a player. So I have no doubt uh, that he can handle those things. So 
more than happy with the player right there. Yeah. So, so uh, real quick, I sent you a DM on uh, on the steps yeah. to walk through to share your screen. But also, just real quick to follow up on what Sobo was talking about, I, I've got a list that I put together because I know we're going to be hearing about if he runs a four, five, six, or something like that. Oh well, forget him. He's off the board. The number of people who ran that or better and went on to become studs, including Cooper Cup, who ran a four six two. Okay, it's not the in-game speed is far more important to these teams anymore. And to Sobo's point, they counted on him for various reasons that I think had a lot more to do with the quarterback ability than people are talking about uh, to to make yards after the catch. Forty one percent of his career yards are after the catch. He's extremely adept at making that first guy miss, especially for, like you said, for a guy that size, that's normally not how they operate. He is very shifty in short area space, and he's very good at making that first guy miss. So, you know, an eight-yard hitch where he creates a separation at the top of his route, like you said, and then he catch, he makes the first guy miss, that's not an eight-yard gain. That's a 12 to 13-yard gain. And over time, that attrition just mat it matters. I'm sorry, it really does. So, is he the only wide receiver they should be uh, uh, considering at 13? No, but should he definitely be in that conversation? I think absolutely, and I, I'd be all over that pick. Sobo, uh, you're up, my friend. Uh, let us know uh, what your board looks like and uh, where you end up going here. You're in the well, Pro Football Network, right? Correct. Let's give it a shot here. Mm-hmm. Did we come up? There we are. Hey, hey, I'm not going to do any trades. I'm not. I'm going to keep this simplistic, and I know a lot of people have fun with that. But we'll do it the simple Cleveland seven round fast here on Pro Football Network. There we go. Once we get started here, okay. Sitting at 13, I'm not taking any trades. Reject, reject. So I think most people will know which way I would go. Now I will say this with. Conklin out. Ike McWanu at this slot at 13 is yeah. vastly tempting. Yes. <laughs> because he has the versatility, guard inside out, left tackle, dominant force. If you want to get, you know what? I'm talking myself into it. I'm going with Ike <laughs> Ekwanu because yeah, I'm the big ugly. That's the way I, I roll. And his film this year is about as good as you can possibly get. And I mean that in all sincerity, because if, yes, there are little technique things you want to work on from, from a pass protection standpoint, but you put that film on of him and he is the most dominant blocker in college football. He is, first of all, a wonderful fit fit for his own blocking system. And as much as I was going to do Drake London, I decided that because that's my MO, right? That's what everyone wants. Jake went that way. So I'll go the opposite route. And I'd have I would have him there. And I think I would look at him because we have Equanu as a top four prospect in this year's class. So if you don't have Conklin, and that's something we shouldn't overlook because a patellar tear isn't exactly like an ACL tear, right? It's not automatic that you're going to return to full strength. Um if there is a legitimate concern and you can save that money and move on, and then you have an elite tackle prospect fall in your lap, take them 100 times out of 100. Yeah, and Aquanu is uh, uh, just 
mean too. I mean, just he has that nasty streak, that Wyatt Teller nasty streak. His film, not maybe not as much as as Tyler Smith, who absolutely just seems to really truly enjoy it at the core of his being. But um, he, he genuinely likes to humiliate the guy across from him. So <coughs> it's if he's there at thirteen. Some people are losing their jobs. It, well, that's <laughs> yeah, the other thing about it too. Yeah, um, that's the thing, and, right, Jake? It's more likely he could be the number one overall pick than he would be yeah. at thirteen. That, that's no, how good this young man is. So when we, when we, I, when I do this by myself, just to kind of give myself scenarios and stuff like that, mm-hmm. just to get through them quickly. There are certain guys that if they're still available, I just ignore their availability because I know they won't be there. But since yeah. we're doing this for the show, I'll pick Equanu. If it was me normally, I would never even touch him because it wouldn't make any sense in my head. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, you know, we try to give people different looks here, but that's why we're doing three. So, so people can talk about different things and see a wider array of topics. And, you know, if he hits and Jed comes back from his injury and becomes what we all believe he can be being set out there for five to seven years is, is invaluable, uh, especially for a, a front office that operates like this one does. Right. You would think so uh, because I truly believe the long-term plan of this organization is to not just have investments in individuals it's to have replacement plans in place right this and let me use the Steelers as an example where did the Steelers fail when it came to this offseason they didn't have that succession plan in place for Ben Roethlisberger you know a few years ago they drafted Mason Rudolph and I understand that but he, he got an opportunity to start and failed so from that point forward you did not put anything more into the position to prepare yourself long term when you look at Cleveland, one of the things I, I expect them to do consistently is to double and triple down on certain positions and to make sure that when contracts are coming due or there are particular sore spots, that they'll have that replacement plan in, in place because that's the way Andrew Barry operates. Yeah, you stack contracts because, you know, it's coming up, you know, for some of these guys. Like I've said several times in the daily even if they bring back Clowney, which I think we all are hoping that they do, it's not going to be more than two years, maybe three at the most, and he's approaching 30. So drafting somebody, especially in an edge class like this one, people go, well, why? If you brought back Clowney, well, you're thinking about two or three years from now when the guy develops, he's 24, he can step in when 90 leaves, and he's still on a cheap contract for a year or two. It's just, it's the way smart <coughs> front offices have operated for decades, and it's the way the one that we currently have in Cleveland operates as well. All right, I'm using, as I said at the top of the show, NFL mock draft database uh and so let's uh, go ahead and fire it up here and we'll see who i have when we come up at 13 to your point steven while this is going yeah i'm i'm dead serious when i say on social media if george Karloftis is there at 13 even if with a wide receiver need i just may be going with Karloftis, and that's with Clowney re-signing that's how i i view him as much like a quantum we 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 look at him as a, an elite talent in this class so and then in this case, that's a premium position as well. Yeah, I think we all think it's uh, the odds are definitely in favor of wide receiver, especially as we sit here today on February 22nd. But too many people are, are writing off the possibility of edge. You know, we all say, oh, we like four wide receivers at 13. I guarantee you this front office, no front office says, well, I don't care. Any of those four guys are all the same. <laughs> they're going to have one or two. And if the guy's not there, then they're going to move on. That, that, that's not the way they operate. We have more freedoms out here to say whoever than they do there. You know, it's not our jobs on the line. Evan Neal goes first. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson. There goes <coughs> Icky. Kyle Hamilton's a fantastic. Charles Cross. There's Carl Laftis and Ohabo. Uh, Pickett. 
to Denver, which would uh, uh, make a couple guys I know on Twitter pretty angry. Uh, Garrett Wilson, the first guy off the board, the first wide receiver off the board, I should say. Uh, so we look over here. Here's the prospect list. Here's the top of the board. Tyler Linderbaum, who we all love, just hard to make the case there at center, uh, especially when you look at some of these other guys. I highly doubt People have started to talk about it. I highly doubt even if he's available at 13, they would go Malik Willis. They could surprise us all, but I would be very, very shocked. I think uh, you look at some of these, Devin Lloyd, I wish he'd come out last year. Uh, Jordan Davis, we've all heard the arguments for and against him. There's some other guys that are there, but I think the way it is right now, take a quick look at the edges. Yeah, the only guy that's even in range is Tremaine Johnson. He's already 23. Uh, So we go here and a bunch of good options, you know, uh, Drake London, obviously we, we all like him here. We don't know how they feel about Jamison Williams, ACL. I, I I don't know about you guys. I would be surprised for a team like this that needs an infusion of help. Like now at wide receiver guys who can produce, I don't think they'd use a first round pick on a guy that there's a very good chance you could wait most of, if not all of the year for your thoughts real quick on Jamison Williams at 13. Yeah, I would, I would rule him out simply because he, not that he may need a full red shirt year, but the instant impact you're looking for at the position is just not going to be there. Now, long-term, considering his age and his production and how he fits right. every other guardrail, okay, I, I, I would get that. But this team has other options that are just as good at the round with all the similar age group and everything else to warrant a selection and avoid him. Jake? Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty vocal on this kind of, needing to immediately up. I know that you can sign some people like we did who can help, but it's just uh, I create explosives in the NFL, man, and they need to create them next year. Not that I don't love JMO. Like I think that dude is going to be good, but mm-hmm. the Browns just unfortunately have not put themselves in a position to stash right. a guy like that. So I just can't, I can't, I can't, I can't expect that. Or I really want that. Even though again, think the player is a good player, really good player, explosive right. player, different type of speed, Jamar Chase type of speed. Uh, but again, you know, it, it, we're, we're in the predicament we're in, and you got to find your way to dig out of that hole. So definitely then, take the guy uh, healthy here. And then a couple other guys, Chris Olave uh, in, uh, in a vacuum, totally, I think, worth the 13th pick. And I would say, and I think I'm on an island here, I would say the same thing about Jahan Dotson. I think in, an, uh, in a vacuum, I'd be happy with him. However, both of those guys – it would have to be all the other wide receivers are gone. In my opinion, I think in a direct comparison to Burks or London or Wilson, I I think those other three guys come out on top of them, but in a vacuum, just, Hey, would you take this guy in the middle of the first round? Absolutely. I would take both of those guys. I think they're very, very, very good. But uh, since you took Drake London, we, we endeavor to put uh, different guys up here. I'm going to go ahead and take the big hog. uh, Mr. Uh, Traylon Burks from Arkansas, and we will take a look at some of his stuff while that rolls. Uh, now, he turns 22 later this month, about a month before the draft. They have not selected anybody that old on day one. They do trend younger even uh, than normal on day one. However, and I'll go to you first, Sobo, on this, I am of the belief that especially in this class, 22, he's under the guardrail, 22 does not rule him out. As some people said, oh, it's only 20 and 21-year-olds. They get even tighter. Yes, but I think if they think he is just an explosive stud, a star in the making, that kind of thing, I think 22, just 22, would be fine at 13 for this guy. Your thoughts? Agreed. And when when you look at skill set, he's different than anyone in the class. And 
he's built differently than anyone in the class. It kind of reminds me of Alshon Jeffrey with the way he's built. You got your thick, your lower body is powerful. He is a capable guy working out of the slot as a lead blocker. You put him outside the numbers, let him run fly routes, and he can go up and get it. He's got gigantic hands. I'll be a few lapses in concentration every now and again. But this is a guy that can do everything you need in a Cleveland offense, beat man coverage, create after the catch, you know, help within the run game as well. And don't overlook that as part of this evaluation. So I look at Burks, and I know some people think he's wide receiver one. I wouldn't go that high on him, but he's definitely worth that selection if they feel he's a perfect fit for what they do. And, Jake, uh, credit to the uh, Arkansas coaching staff for figuring out this is – we got to get this guy the ball in this guy's hands any way we can, which gives him – he's lined up in the backfield. He's lined up everywhere, you know, which is great. Mm-hmm. But from an evaluation standpoint, it makes it a little tougher because he's not advanced at, at certain things because he didn't get to do them 400 yeah. times. How much does that affect uh, a guy, especially when you're talking about the top half of round one, in your opinion? Well, I think it takes your scouting to feel like, you know, he can do the things that you're not seeing him do on a regular basis. Now, you might think, Chad O'Shea might think like, hey, man, I don't give a a crap about what you haven't seen from Burks. I know he can do it. You know, there's some misconceptions like Jahan Dotson, everyone pegs as this slot player. Well, I do think he can be a nice slot player. Majority of his college career lived on the outside. Burks is a body of an X, but he played a majority of his college career inside. Same with Burks. I'm sorry, same with London. Majority of his career was inside. So what you're doing is looking at traits, trying to decipher, because if if every single thing about a prospect you could deduce from the tape, the scouting job would be easier, right? That's It would be so much easier. So like what you're trying to do is look at things and are they translatable skills to how we envision this guy? I think Burks is talented enough to figure it out, but I also wouldn't blame them if they started to stockpile, Steve, some of the things, age, lack of true tape to be a guy we want in this position. So I understand it. I also have no issue. This is like, again, I I make my statement on this every time. I'm less a prediction. This guy's going to be good. This guy's going to be great. And more just trying to understand the reasoning of a front office. Like, I just want to know if you picked Burks, why did you pick him? Tell That tells me something about how you view the position, right? right. That's the thing I think we're going to learn above all else about wide receiver, whether they take one earlier or a little later in the second round, is this is the type of receiver we're looking for. So that's going to give us some evidence. I'm not a draft analyst by any nature. I, I don't make a living writing scouting reports. That's not how I go about it. And there are great people that do it. I think I can look at it and give an opinion, but my opinion might not mean anything more than the other guy. But like, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I just like to see why. So the pick your flavor thing we've been talking about, Steve, is very much like, I'd be fine with Burks. I'd be fine with Dotson. Right. I'd be fine with Wilson. I'd be fine with London. Just tell me why so I can learn more about your thought process. Because that's one thing we haven't had in Cleveland is a group leading the organization that we can be like, we kind of know what they like in this position or that position. you know. So that, that part of it uh, element is exciting because at my core, I'm just a Browns. I want to know as much about the organization as possible. So I have no problem with picking any of these guys. I know you guys, Sobo at Bleacher Report, are high on Dotson. I think you had him in your top 15. Like, there's that dude's a player, man. I would have no issue with him or some some other names like the David Bells of the world uh, that, that can do some things. So, you know, it's just a fun position to need in this draft, which is a good alignment for Cleveland. 
Quick shout out to the chat, Taco Cat 970 still one of our favorite screen names, Taco Cat, love it. Subscribe okay. for three months in a row, we appreciate that. Uh, if you guys want to subscribe, we would certainly appreciate it. As I said before, scroll back up to the top of the chat, the very first link in there. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get a free subscription. Take a couple bucks out of Jeff Bezos' pocket and put it in hours every month. We would certainly appreciate that. And real quick, talking about the development, what you think a guy can do. Sobo, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. One of the oldest um, uh, axioms in uh, in draft world is you don't draft a guy for who he is. You draft for a guy for who you think he can be year two, year three, year four, right? Yes, translatable traits. And one of the things Jake hit upon, and he's absolutely right, and I, I mention this all the time, you can be right and wrong on every single draft pick. And by that, I mean you can be right where he gets selected. You could be absolutely wrong on how he turns out or vice versa. It just depends on the way – you you look at the NFL draft. For me, I'm very much in, in line with Jake. I want to know the reason behind something. Accuracy as an analyst means diddly shit to me, to be quite honest with you. And, yes, I'll get my handful of picks right every year, and that's just the way it works. But at the same time, the reason why those guys went there is, is more important. Why, you know, why, to figure out what they're looking for and how they can be successful. And that's the next step, right? And this is you guys know this. You guys follow me on Twitter. We talk about this all the time. Situation matters. Situation matters. Situation matters. And if we were talking about Josh Allen in Cleveland, I know that was a huge talking point during the postseason. Is Josh Allen the same player today if he's in Cleveland had to go through everything Baker Mayfield did? Probably not. Is he probably still better than Baker Mayfield? Sure, we can make that argument. But at the same time, you have to understand that. He went into a situation where, one, they were fully committed to building around him. Two, they did so with the offensive line and wide receivers. And three, he had the same offensive coordinator and head coach for four freaking years. So that initial reaction to draft day, and quite frankly, I've been the prisoner of it as well because I've had to do grades, and God knows Bengals fans that won't let me live it down ever again. (laughs) But (laughs) when you – have the reasoning it's far more important to me and where they can eventually develop than it is to where they are at the moment and how that that team did value wise if it's a reach or it's a you know things along those lines yeah it's uh the, like i say every year the diff, was he a good pick and did he turn out to be a good player are two completely separate questions jake second round you're up all right I want to ask, give you this question, Sobo, real quick, because I like answering people's questions. We're talking about wide receivers. Pickens tests really high. Do you see him drafted? I think you are you top fifty on them, or is he outside your guys' top fifty? Uh, I, I have my board up, so give me one second. Where did we have him exactly? Sorry, I apologize. Oh, fortieth, fortieth. Now, I will say this, and let me let me add this asterisk. Right when we sit down as a scouting department, and you guys know some of the guys I work with, Brandon Thorne and Nate, Brandon Thorne and Nate Tice and Derek Clawson and Corey Giddens. These are very smart dudes that one have either been in NFL front office or are very well respected for the way they evaluate talent. One thing I set forth this year when I kind of pulled this together as part of my job was we made the conscious decision that we're going to rate players based on best case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So George Pickens, in our mind, is 100% healthy until he isn't, right? Until medicals come out and tell us they're not, and so on and so forth. The same applies to Jamison Williams, John Mechie, Justin Ross, 
you know, those type of those type of selections. So when we look at Pickens, we know for a fact that he only played essentially one game and the end of the regular season, then the postseason, he was never a big part of the offense. But then when you go back to the junior tape and see a player that has that first round potential. So that's really the upside to him is immense. And when he made that catch in the national championship game over his shoulder down the field, I think it was national championship game. Maybe it was the one before it was, you saw the ability and, and how he can be a true number one wide receiver. So to your, you know, Jake, to answer you, yeah, we we think very highly of his upside and think he can be an elite wide receiver prospect as long as he checks out medically. Got it. Good stuff. I just wanted to get an answer there for Kevo uh, and very well done. Let's uh, switch to mine. Uh, let's see if I can add this. So I'm up and I'm interested in, you know, some guys at, at, at uh, corner potentially like a fit there kind of looking a little defense-ish. I mean, tackle. I like Ron. He's just older, right? Is he 23, 24, Steve? I can't remember. 24. 24. Yeah, Yeah, he's out of the range for them. Yeah. Petit Friere is interesting. I think he's 22. And Abraham Lucas, also an interesting player. Those guys are in range. I just think that when I look at the D-line group, like, Logan Hall, again, I, I feel like I keep taking the same guys in these, but these are like my home run picks, man. Like Logan Hall is the clowny protege is so ideal to me. Like a dude who can play the position a similar way, who can rotate along outside and inside. And we talked about this last time, Steve, a, a strong side edge who plays run to pass to support miles. Mm-hmm. Like I just really like his fit. Not that I like, don't like Kingsley. I think my, my Jay's a nice player. There's nice players here. I mean, uh, Drake Jackson is way too low on their board. I think he's a better player than 77th overall. Um, I don't know what's on the inside. I mean, we like Travis Jones plenty. I'm sorry. I hope it's not boring to you guys, but when it sets up this way, I just – if they get these two guys with their first two picks, I just think it's an absolute – it's an absolute home run for what they need to keep developing. So I'm taking Logan Hall – um, based on who's around at this pick, what they need. So, you know, I guess people will know my brand by the point that it comes around to, to the, to the first two picks. So I don't, so by, I think he's, he's 24th on your guys board. I'm looking at it now. You, what do you yeah. like about him? Well, I'm just to your point real quick, it's okay to go chalk because there's a reason why people feel those are the best possible selections at that at that juncture, you know, they fit what, what Cleveland's potentially looking for. They fit all the guardrails, you know, you, you laid it out very well with Logan Hall and <laughs> their claws and handles are defensive linemen. And as mm-hmm. I sat with him at the shrine bowl, he goes, I have a proclivity towards assholes, meaning he wants guys that <laughs> will, will wear you out during a contest. And Logan well, how Hall's am I not employed guys. by you guys? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Logan Hall is definitely That's one of those types of players because he, you know, he's essentially 270, 275 pounds, was basically an interior defender for the Houston Cougars, though we all project him out as a base end and reducing down in sub packages. But he that versatility, that explosivity that he has, he might not be the most fluid guy once you put him on the edge, but he's going to go out there and fight you. And that's really what you want, that bully opposite Miles Garrett, and that can really, you know, set the edge and make life difficult when teams try to run the ball. I like him a lot, man. I really like him. What's the fit here? So I'm taking Logan Hall. Who's up next? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sobor, you're up. Before I go any further, because I had to look real quick, <laughs> Shea Patterson went number one overall in the USFL draft to the Michigan Panthers. Shea, Shea Patterson, Patterson, number one overall. Words we yes. did not expect to uh, to hear in this life, but here we are. Maybe welcome in Michigan again. That's what I'm starting with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that cracked me up when I looked at it real quick because I was curious. All right. Do I have the screen up? No, I don't. Yes. Yeah, you're up. Oh, okay. I do. Awesome. All right. Now, with who we have left, we obviously went with the offensive lineman earlier. You're looking at David Bell at wide receiver. Now, I will say this, gentlemen. Desmond Ritter, I would throw caution to the wind, maybe, and take the quarterback because they create a little bit of competition. He's our quarterback number QB one in this year's draft. I know that goes against the grain for most outlets, but we like his combination of what he was asked to do within the offense, working from the pocket. Obviously there are some, there are some nitpicks you can definitely get into while also being a very good athlete, but I won't go in that direction simply because this is the name we were talking about earlier, Jahan Dotson. Now you have your offensive lineman, you have your explosive. Well, apparently I didn't share it along the way, but I picked Jahan Dotson because to Jake's point earlier, he plays so much bigger than a guy his size. Like he's listed at like 1'5", 195. His ability to, to catch balls outside of his, out of his body and strong hands to go up and get the football to create after the catch belie his size. And the fact that he's still there and getting a first round caliber wide receiver after having one of the top offensive tackles drop into our laps. Can't get, can't get much better than that. I got to be it's honest. Fun, it's even, fun even on if the they go wide receiver at 13, if the hot, if Dotson somehow there at 44, I would be sorely tempted to double up and grab him anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fool's. I think he should be 
easily a, a first round talent. That's just my opinion. I know I'm out on the uh, on no. a limb there. I'm uh, no. on an island, no. but not at but all. If he Look, somehow slips to 44, I, I would be sorely tempted to just go back to back white. Even if we took one at, at 13, I would I would take yeah. it. I don't know who originally said it, but I, I always credit Brian Billick because I think it's 100% true. If When you're building a wide receiver core, you want to build a basketball team, right? And if you start with a Drake London who's 6'5", 210 as your power forward, you can get Jahan Dotson to be your point guard and do all the other things that, that Drake London isn't necessarily doing. That's the way you create mismatches. That's the way you can create flexibility within your offense and wrinkles and become far more potent. Absolutely. Totally um, in. Yeah. I, I, he's 33rd in my draft, Steve. I, I don't think he gets to sec today too. I just don't think he gets there. Just me personally. No, I, I don't think so either. But you know, I mean, every year we say that about guys and then they end up going 96. No, but I'm going to be know? right. this time. No, I'm right. <laughs> um, There's no way, no way. I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't understand the hate that this guy gets. I don't understand. Uh, you know, you, you take him and some Browns fans just go ballistic, you know, not as bad as they do with Drake London, but they just go nuts, and I, I don't know why. I, I don't I don't get it. There's just not a lot. Other than not being tall, there's really nothing that he doesn't do well, you know, and yep. some of it he does elite. So, yeah, I would be sorely tempted. It's a great pick at 44, I think, you know, especially since you went outside the, the norm and, and went tackling the first round. So, well, I mean, I think that's uh, fantastic. You were worried I was going to take the quarterback, weren't you? I, I really considered it, to be quite honest with you. But even on our board, I'm staying true to our board as we go down. Jahan Dotson was the next highest guy rated player still available. We do have him 15th, so with an 8.6 grade. So for us, that is a legit first-round talent and a guy that, to your guys' point, is – Aside from size, there's not much that you can't like about him. I don't think he'll have elite straight line speed, but his short area quickness and the way he can explode out of his stem, that 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 folks, that's how you create separation. It's not about running before 240. <laughs> it's about doing the little things that at the position to create that space. Well, you took right. Icky and then Jake took uh uh uh, Logan Hall, and that's two guys that I don't have an, uh, a video highlight package for. So I was totally expecting you to take Ritter, who I also don't have a highlight package for here. So yeah, <laughs> it would have been perfect. Uh, let's uh, all right. I'm up here. Let's uh, move along. Here's my board. You can see some of the guys that went just before us. There goes Logan Hall. There goes Drake Jackson, who I like a lot. Uh, um, and he fits a ton of the Brown. He's only 20 years old. Incredibly athletic. Yes, he's got holes in his game. But again, 20 years old, super athletic, showed improvement from year to year. No reason to believe he can't uh, uh, continue to improve. Raymond went there. Think about uh, that, Steve. The Browns could come out of the draft with two 20-year-old Drakes from USC. I loved, got to love the Drake. <laughs> Only old people know what I'm talking about there. Okay, uh, this is interesting because people have said if, the, if things fall a certain way in free agency and all that kind of stuff, tight end could be as early as this pick. I think it's going to be a little bit later personally, but you're looking at, you know, pretty much all of them, uh, Weidermeyer, McBride, likely those guys widely considered to be the top three tight ends on the board. So you would consider that I I'm not going to go that way. The other spot here is the interior of the defensive line. Uh, Travis Jones, a little bit lower on their board down here at 71. Uh, and I think that's the, pro the thing with Travis Jones, 44 feels a little rich for him. 78 feels like he's not going to get there exactly at yeah. this point. So it's kind of a, an in-between thing. And Perry and Winfrey, I want to get your thoughts on him. I don't think we've talked about him. So uh, who he is is obvious. Explosive in the pass rush department. 
I'm going to be very kind and say inconsistent in the run game. But again, he's super athletic and there's really no, here's my theory. And then we'll see what you think in the big 12, which we all know, you know, defense is a rumor. Most of the time down there, their coaching staff may have said, Hey, you may give up a 15, 20 yard run twice a game, but we think the, the, the devastation you cause in pass rush will be a net positive for us. They'll, you know, sort of a pseudo analytics thing like that. And if an NFL team thinks they can get his run defense just to adequate, if he's just adequate and still that explosive as a pass rusher, that could be a steal of a pick at 44. I haven't talked to you about Winfrey. What are your thoughts on Winfrey? A great example of not being a prisoner of the moment. So the senior bowl obviously weighs heavily on a lot of people because sometimes it's the first time they've really seen some of these prospects or those prospects show out and play at a very high level all week, but it's not necessarily representative of who they are for an entire season. And that's a great, and Winfrey's a great example to your point. Yes, absolutely. Explosive off field pass rusher, a guy that's athletic, a guy that you want as a potential three down defensive tackle. And you make that investment at this juncture and you would, hope that he can continue his development. But you're absolutely right, because before you even said it, the first word that popped in my head was inconsistent. He's not that player every down at Oklahoma. He's not that player every week at for the Sooners. And that's really the concern is so while he can go to Mobile and show out and look great and leave as one of the top practice performers and, and make plays during the game itself, you're not doing it on a consistent enough basis to warrant a high round or at least that high of a round draft pick as people were talking about coming out of that uh, event. And that's, that's where I think sometimes, you know, people get excited draft seasons kicking in. Look, I was at the shrine bowl. We had people at the senior bowl. One thing we didn't do as a department was to dramatically move anyone based on what we saw at, at those games. So, because we knew, right. You have a whole season's worth of tape. You've already watched or at least the, a good chunk of it. Why is that going to be overridden by what they do at an all-star event? It shouldn't be. It should either be a confirmation or you have to go back and look at the tape again to see if you were absolutely wrong about them. In Winfrey's case, I don't think people were wrong about him. It's just he knew this was the biggest job interview of his life, and he showed up. Okay, that's great. What's going to happen when he's in the NFL each and every week? Yeah, um, and I'm probably uh, uh, making Jake's job harder again because I talk about a guy and he gets ready to type him into the to the pick chat, and then I'm not going to pick him because I think ultimately where I'm going to go is here. Uh, Ebiketti is uh, aged out, so I, I'm not looking at him, but this next three guy, Kingsley and Agbury, Cameron Thomas, and Mijai uh, Sanders, all very interesting uh, for the Browns. Mijai, for me personally, he weighed in at 242. I have heard from people that I trust. He played most of the year at 225, 230. That's his normal uh, range. I, I'm, that's just what I've been told. I don't think, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, Jake, that that's the type of guy they – not that he's not a great player, and I think he is. I just don't know that that's the type of guy they want on the opposite end of miles. I think they want a body type more in the clowny range, which would be these two guys. Um, and I think last time I took Cameron Thomas – I could be wrong, but I think I took Cameron Thomas, and I'd be totally happy with Cameron Thomas here. But this time, I think I'm going to go with the King. I'm going to take Kingsley and Agbury uh, from uh, uh, from South Carolina. Get another, get a Gamecock to back up Clowney, the other Gamecock right there. Uh, 6'5", 265. Looks like he still has room to put a few more uh, pounds on his frame without losing the uh, explosive athleticism. He has 
bricks for hands, uh, which helps him convert speed to power, which Sobo, you're one of the people that taught me over the years. That's one of the most critical things when, when projecting edge to the NFL. If they can't consistently convert speed to power, it's hard to become a double digit or close to double digit sack guy in the NFL on a consistent basis. Run, we're going to use that word again. Run defense has been inconsistent to this point, <clears throat> but looks very coachable in that regard. And again, if you can get him to do it, uh, you know, at a decent level or, or even, you know, slightly above average, his pass rush ability uh, in rotation with Miles and Jadevian Kalani, I think could make for a pretty devastating trio uh, for his rookie year. I'm going to be honest with you, Steve. I, I would have went with uh, Cameron Thomas. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you're just trying to vary things up, so I'm not here sure. every week, but I think he's fits beautifully into what they want. And Agreed. it's very sim very similar argument for him as it would be in Igbari, because one of the things you're, you're concerned about with both of them is bend. But what you see is, which is important for a pass rusher, you see a way where they can win at the next level, right? With the for those two specifically, they're not they're more straight line pass rushers. But when you have that, when you can convert that functional strength into power throughout your pass rush have consistent motors. Now, Cameron Thomas is a great example of this. I first watched him. I'm like, there's nothing special there. But the more you watch him, he has a pass rush plan. He has ability to work through offensive linemen. He knows how to use his hands. And Anik Bari is probably more talented overall. But it's just those two kind of fit what they want to do. You just need to know how they're going to win. And with them, it's different than some of those first-round defensive ends that we be talking – we be – yeah, we would be we talking be. about – along the way because of the way they can bend comparatively. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, the next round. Uh, Jakey, you're up. Yeah, so I made a decision to do um, uh, something a little different. I moved up. So I like moving up around five to seven slots if I really like a player. So I, But here's why I like moving up, and this is exactly what they did with JOK last year. They moved up and swapped picks. So I swapped – 78 for 73 with the now Washington Commanders still feels weird. So I kept pick 98, kept pick 105. They get my 116, and I move back to 187. So a big slide there from 116 to 187. And this might not be what they want to do because they might like somebody less than I like it here. But I, I really, with the deletion of Austin Hooper from the roster, I want to keep building strong tight ends. I think Trey McBride's the best in the class, and I really wanted to get him. Um, at this spot, I understand that the difference between what you guys or other folks out there feels between him and Weidermeyer and Otten and Ruckert is maybe not as broad as you think. I think we can all agree that this class doesn't have a top of the line guy or a Kyle Pitts type, but they got a bunch of really solid players. So I just like the, the prowess of what McBride brings to the inline, but also the hybrid position at the slot where he can move him around. And I just wanted him. He's the guy I want here and I don't mind not giving up a pick at the same time, so moved up to get him a pick 73. Yeah, uh, Sobo, real quick, I think I accidentally took your uh, your screen out, so if you could reshare it when uh, you're up, that would yes. be great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is where I think, in my opinion, this is the earliest spot where tight end really starts to make sense. You'd have to talk me into it at 44. I can see it, but you'd have to talk me into it. Anywhere from 78 on, I'm totally on board. The, the, it, that's where – uh, the good, the bulk of this tight end class is, is Sobo. I mean, there's nobody 
you know, being talked about top 15. They're, they're, that guy isn't in this class, but third round, fourth, fourth round, fifth round, even into the sixth round, there are immediate uh, contributors and some immediate starters there in this tight end. It's very deep in that part of the draft, right? It is, absolutely. And ironically, I was looking at going the same route once I'm on the board, so we'll get to that here in a second. But, <laughs> yeah, you you don't have the unicorn. That's what I call Kyle Pitts. He was the unicorn, right? He's right. the guy that you'll never see again at tight end or really anyone quite like him just in general and going that high in the draft and then being successful. But what you get in this class is a lot of guy, a lot of tight ends that can contribute immediately in multiple different roles, right? You can have the traditional Y inline tight end. You have F, F tight ends. Let's use Isaiah Likely as an example from Coastal Carolina. You have guys that can slide out into the slot, you know, and so on and so forth. So, those multiple skill sets are important for different teams around the league based on how they want to utilize the position. But with Cleveland in particular, one of the reasons I like a McBride or I like a Ruckert or even Wiedermeyer is these guys can be true wide tight ends and can kind of take over for Austin Hooper. And I know I don't, did we release Austin Hooper? I can't remember. Okay, good. (laughs) I was was a little confused on that one because I forgot because they can fill that role. And if you want me to jump ahead, if, I, if you don't mind real quick, looking at it with on my board, I went through the defense, right? I don't see anyone at defensive tackle or edge or linebacker or cornerback or safety. That really gets me excited, right? I didn't intentionally come into this thinking to myself, I'm going to go three offensive players right in a row, but there's Jeremy Ruckert right there. Now, the thing with the thing with Ohio State tight ends is they tend not to be I don't know why it's not coming up. I made the pick with Jeremy Ruckert, but no clue why it isn't simulating. Uh, <laughs> the thing about Ruckert is he has an immediate role the day he steps in as the inline tight end and he will block his ass off at that position. You can bring him on counters, you can have him working double teams with the offensive tackle. And I think you can get more of him in a passing game than what we saw at Ohio State because they just don't use the position as much as other schools. And I'm with Jake on this, that I would I, this is the path I would go. You, you re-sign Njoku, you move on from Hooper, eat what you got to eat, don't become beholden to the sunk cost fallacy, and then see these talented wide receivers in the middle rounds where you can put them in there, plug and play, and they contribute. And I think Ruckert had – has all those capabilities as maybe not quite to Trevor McBride because he's also our tight end one in this class, but he's not far behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem it. with that. I don't have a problem with that. I think he's, uh, and this is not a player cop. This is a, how he's viewed versus what he potentially, you know, could contribute early comp. I think he's going to fall into that Kittle range. You know, you remember nobody, nobody, nobody had Kittle you know, uh, anywhere on their our board. And he turned out to be the best pick, you know, the best tight end pick of the draft. So, you know, I, and not saying that he's going to turn into George Killies. I'm not pre- 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 predicting an all pro career. I'm just saying, I think he's a lot better than a lot of people are giving him credit for right now. So uh, we'll move on. Uh, let me get this out of here. I am up next. You can see here, uh, this is the wide receiver board. We're not going to go there. I'm gonna, Let's go to all. Brees Hall, uh, there's uh, two guys that I think will probably be gone. You were talking about the quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter and Carson Strong. Strong's, you, 
Strong is one of the guys you could talk me into if he were fall to fall here, but I don't think they're going to do that. I just don't think that that, that is in their plan for this year. I don't think they're going to try to force a guy from this class to be something that most people don't think they are. Uh, we already took our edge to the defensive line. Sometimes you get uh, um, uh, Travis Jones to fall here to 78. That did not happen. Uh, the linebacker room, there's still some guys in there that we all like. Uh, but I don't think they're going to go there that early. So I'm going to go a little bit different here uh, um, since uh, we uh, um, are only have the, the two guys uh, in the safety room. I'm going to take a guy here that uh, uh, we've liked, and he continues to climb up boards in this 75 to 100 range. Uh, seems to be about where he is uh, uh, going to be. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, and take uh, uh, Kirby Joseph here uh, from Illinois. A guy that came on late. Um, he had a breakout only this year, which tends to go against what they like to do. But at this point in the draft, maybe you take a shot at the athleticism and the upsides got tremendous ball skills can cover every blade of grass out there has no fear coming downhill. Uh, He's got a lot of things to like. And if he's around at this spot and they do not bring back, you know, Ronnie Harrison, as we expect, or MJ Stewart, or go out and sign one in free agency. Yes. They've got two good starting safeties. But Joe Woods likes three. We had that conversation all last year. So grabbing a guy that can come in and develop behind those guys might be a good idea. So I went with Kirby Joseph here at 78. Uh, I, I don't think we've talked. I don't think we've talked about Joseph. I've picked two guys we haven't talked about. So what are your thoughts on Kirby Joseph? We're running the gamut today. We're trying to have a little fun and get different guys out there. But with Joseph, the you know, two things works in his favor. You said he wait, it was a little later in his career to actually producing but he was still technically an underclassman, right? And coming out of a Big Ten program, that helps him as well. What you like about him is his ball skills with five interceptions, a guy that can sniff it out a little bit. I think when you look at that, his weight, I know Jake has written about this extensively about John Johnson and the way he was miscast to start the 2021 campaign where you want to play him closer to the box where you want to see what he can do from that point of view, instead of having Ronnie Harrison, which became a liability at points. Uh, you have MJ Stewart technically a safety, but he's going to be moving over, over the slot if they resign him. And in this case, they would. Uh, so I see Joseph as that guy that you have Delpit, you would have LeCount and then you add him to the mix. And I think he would be a very good fit based on that back line presence he can give you at the free safety. Yeah, and uh, I don't have it in front of me right now, but as I recall, his tackling grade was extremely high, uh, which Jake, you know, for that last line of defense, I mean, it seems obvious to say, but if you're the last guy between the other, you know, the ball carrier and the end zone, you don't want a guy that misses 18% of his tackles. And he he had a very good tackling grade. So not only does he like to lay the wood, but when he gets to a guy, that goes down, right? He goes down, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think something I've learned, yeah, I mean, you got to tackle, you need good tacklers, no matter where, what guys you bring in, there's nothing more frustrating than people that can get to the spot and can't get the job done. Right. So like the thing I've noticed about safety rooms, I've kind of tried to evolve on this thought process is everybody wants these safeties that can do more, 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 right. They can be different positions and different things. And I kind of just want safeties who are good at something, right? Like I just would rather have guys who this guy's a really good center fielder. This guy's a really good split high. This guy's a really good box player. Like if you got a bunch of guys who can kind of do everything well, it's like a quarterback thing they say, right? Then you don't have one at all or something like that. I'm not sure it's it's apples to apples on that whole thing, but I do want guys who can do certain things better. I think the Browns would benefit from a, when they go single high, having a guy they trust more as that center fielder type. So I'm open to that player being a guy Richard LeCount competes with because I would like 
to see a little more of that and let Grant Delpit be a bit, a bit more of a freedom player. So, um, yeah, that's that's the angle I would take there. I have I have no issue with Kirby there at all. So, good pick. One thing about him, uh, Joseph, real quick, smart yeah. kid. I believe he was a chemistry major. So, mm. you no, know, look that. Having a guy that can run that defense on the back end, that is important, man, that, that isn't overwhelmed by the information and processing it quickly on the field. Just about an hour mm-hmm. in, Dueling Mock Drafts Tuesday night on the OBR Twitch channel. Thank all of you for being here. We appreciate it. I think we're still over 60 people in here on a Tuesday night in February talking Browns draft with us. We love all you guys. Thank every one of you for following. Uh, tell your friends. We've been so close to 2,000 followers for like a month, and we haven't been able to creep over that. You can follow for free. So get your friends to do it for us, just so I'm not annoyed by 1.9K anymore on our screen there. Uh, and as always, uh, if you want to subscribe, there's there's different options to subscribe. You can do it just paying cash. Or if you have Amazon Prime, you can do it for free. Let's move on as we roll into the second hour here. We oh, do take another, checks and money orders. As a well, a so. quick uh, reminder that at the top of the next hour, we got a double feature here for you every Tuesday night on Twitch at 9 o'clock. The Garage Beers guys will be here. <laughs> and they will be talking calves at, at the top of the hour. Uh, hashtag let them know. A fun team. Probably the most fun team. The The least annoying team in Cleveland sports this year for Least sure. Annoying. Uh, and, uh, they're having a good time with those guys. They'll be talking them with, uh, uh, um, I'm blanking on who it is. I don't have it in front of me, but they've got a great guest to come up at nine o'clock. So stick around after us and come back and see the OBR Twitch. Jake, you're up for the next pick here. Yeah, I, um, have gone offense here and I could go offense again, but a player that I really like is still on the board. And I know, Greedy Williams had a nice bounce back year. Not sure. Again, you just are very nervous about the consistency of that shoulder. You're also liking what you've seen from Newsom playing as a versatile inside player. I really like Martin Emerson. I like the length he plays with 6-2-200 zone heavy system in Mississippi State. A lot of zone in Cleveland, as we know. Browns were like 27th in man-to-man defense percentage in the uh, NFL this year. So I like the fit here. I like the length. I like the style he brings to the position. So I'm going to take Emerson here to keep my theory, Steve, take a defensive back, at least a corner every single draft. So I'm going to keep, uh, keep that up. Yeah. You can never, ever, ever, ever have too many cover corners because, you know, as we saw this year and every year, we know Denzel gets dinged up. Uh, Greedy was back, but he gets dinged up. Greg Newsom in college was dinged up, did not uh, uh, suffer much of that. Uh, I think the only games he missed were COVID this year. I could be wrong, but I think the only games he missed were COVID this year. So you can never have too many guys. Uh, We think they're Mm going to bring back uh, A.J. Green. Uh, We think they're going to bring back Troy Hill or, you know, all that kind of stuff. We all think they're going to do that. But another cover corner is never a bad thing, Sobo. No, you need that depth, and especially with the injuries, as you stated. You always wonder where they can go once guys are off the off the board because you, you know with Denzel and Greedy as stated they're not going to play excuse almost at 16 17 game seasons it's just the way they're built so having that depth having that just quality position and at a premium like I, I love personally I love investing in offensive line if that wasn't any if that wasn't any indication already but it makes sense to invest not only in offensive line pass rushers and cover corners. Those are the three things you can never have enough of. And we all, we learned this watching the Browns this past season because all three of those positions took hits and it hurt the overall performance. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Fumble13, for correcting me. You're absolutely right. I completely forgot about that. Uh, but he did miss two games because of a, because of a concussion. Moving on, uh, Sobo, you're up. Your next pick. Let's see if it actually works this time. Man, I apologize. 
Is it set up? Because I'm at 98. Okay. All right. Well, I think so. But I have okay. old eyes, so I can't be sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need to go defense. I feel the need, the need for speed. But what, what position? I, I was seriously considered. I don't know why they have Neil Farrell Jr. ranked so low at defensive tackle. But he's kind of outside the age parameter as a fifth or sixth year senior. It's like 23 already. Would add some bulk to the middle. If you guys can't see, your edge rushers are uh, top edge rushers are Isaiah Thomas, Oklahoma, Jeffrey Gunter from uh, Coastal Carolina, Michael Clemens, again, an older prospect, fifth year senior, Dominique Robinson, Miami of Ohio, and Trey Williams from Arkansas, Jesse Lukito as well from Penn State, but he most likely will move off the ball in the NFL level. Cornerback, you have Michael Wright. I have a problem, I, and I can't get that Ohio State game out of my head after evaluating him because he just got torched <laughs> route after route after route. There's not a lot here. Maybe Josh Job from Alabama. Marcus Jones is interesting because he's not only a nickel corner, but also a returner. Safety, again, we do have Kirby Joseph, but and for the sake of a little bit of differentiation, I won't pick him here. So I'm going to go back to linebacker because I truly believe I know they in in this scenario we have um, Anthony Walker coming back. I would assume that would just be another short term one year deal. Yeah. But Damone Clark out of LSU, underclassman as PFF graded, the only player with 100 or more tackles with under seven percent missed tackle rate. Again, that's a big stat for one that you mentioned earlier, gentlemen, about how you are able to really rely on those guys. And that was a, remember that was a stat for Jacob Phillips, right? That when he was evaluated young, in in low missed tackle percentage. So I'll I'll double down on those LSU linebackers to make sure there's depth there because I'm not I'm not sold on Anthony Walker, right? And he's certainly not the long term solution there. So then you can have Clark maybe this year or next year take over that spot or at least compete with Phillips alongside JOK. And, again, JOK might be a guy that might not hold up for a 17-game slate. So you need quality depth at that second line because I I like to refer to linebackers as the connective tissue between the front and the back of a defense, right? Because you, you invest so much in defensive line and corners you still need those guys in the middle to make plays. Otherwise, you will get exposed. And we've seen that a lot with Cleveland. Now, I understand the organization doesn't highly value linebacker that much, but we're talking what? We're in the fourth round now. So right. you get a you get an underclassman who's shown that potential that's analytically approved, <laughs> as it were, and can really give you something long-term. So to me, that's a win-win-win. Yeah, Jake, we talked about uh, Clark way, way back. I think preseason mm-hmm. on your pod, we talked about him. And then the year that LSU had, he kind of him and a lot of the Tigers fell off, fell off of a lot of radars. But you go back and you watch his film and you look at his stats, he really didn't do anything to hurt his stock. So, Bo, he just, you know, didn't – LSU wasn't on national TV every Saturday night like they usually are. So, you know, a lot of people maybe forgot about him. I guarantee you the league didn't forget about him. So, yeah, I would have no problem in this range. I think last week, Jake – uh, Muma fell to 98 and you know if that happens which I I can't imagine because I think he's really that good but I don't care how much you don't like linebacker if a guy like Muma's there at 98 he's <laughs> got to at least be in the discussion so I have no problem with that pick at all all right uh, I'm up here and uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna t- let me show you what we got here still at 98 have those two quarterbacks here <laughs> the the people would be banging on the door more and more and more 
I'm still not going to do it. Okay, at this point, because I've got other guys that I like in this seg. You go to tight end, uh, again, Weidermeyer, likely, Ruckert, all still there. Easily can make a case for any of those guys. Um, the defensive line group, I, 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 I like Garrett, but he's an age guy. Ridgeway is at 155, so picking him at 98 on this board. Whether you agree with their board ranking or not, stick to this board as much as you possibly can. Uh, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. We already took a safety. Um, none of the corners in this general area uh really excite me so i'm gonna do something that we've all been talking about them doing for a couple of months now i'm gonna double dip at wide receiver and you can see the first heck the first five names really uh uh would be fantastic as a conma is not getting a lot of run but talk about a height weight speed guy if that guy can develop that could be fantastic. I've picked Sky Moore so many times. I'm irritating the people in our forums because he's just <laughs> he got mad at me like too. Almost every block, almost every uh, every mock that he comes in, and I think 106 is way low for him. I think Sky Moore is going to be an absolute stud uh, in the NFL. The guy does everything extremely well, and he's an absolute battler. My love for Romeo Dubs goes back to last year. We all know that, but. I'm going to make a lot of people very happy in our forums because this is the guy they scream for. And instead of taking more again this week, I'm going to go ahead and take the kid uh, uh, from the FCS. I'm going to take uh, uh, Christian Watson here because he's got a lot of stuff to like. Now, I'll start with the negatives first. People that were in uh, in Mobile saw route raw as a route runner, okay, uh, does not run a diverse route tree, does not have the production metrics that you would normally like, uh, a little bit older of a prospect. He's 22 already. And a lot of the guys that we've talked about in this class are 21 or even 20 years old. And for the Browns, that may very well weigh against him. But 6'4", 210, you can see here, uh, he, I call him an easy glider. He doesn't look, it's kind of reminiscent of when we used to watch Josh Gordon run. That's not a direct comp, just a running style. Josh Gordon never looked like he was running all that hard. He looked like he was trotting. And then the fastest guys in the NFL were breaking their Achilles trying to keep up with him. They couldn't do it. He's got that similar kind of gait where he eats up so many yards with big steps. He doesn't look like he's really pushing himself, but obviously you can see the flat-out speed. Now, there are some people that say, oh, he's going to get first-round run after the combine. He might get first-round run from some media folks or from some fans. I, I would be, I don't know about you, so I would be stunned if he went uh, uh, day one. I would be stunned if he went in the top 50. I think late second is his ceiling just because of the depth of this class and some of those things that I noted before. 55, 60-ish would be the ceiling. I think more realistic is this 75 to 100 range. And for a, a group like the Browns front office, I, I honestly think that's where he's going to have to fall to for them to realistically take a shot at him. Uh, we'll go to you first, Sobo. Your thoughts on uh, Christian Watson. Well, the real reason he's gotten the buzz isn't necessarily production, even though it was there in a run-first offense, now limited, obviously, but because he supposedly won test off the charts. That's that's the talking point, at least within scouting circles, why they think he's got that big body. He's exactly what you're looking for. Why? I, the reason I'm surprised you would take him here, he's an overage prospect. I believe he's going to be 24 this year, 23 or 24. So he's 22 right now. So 22. Okay, so he will be 23. Okay, yeah. I can't remember exactly. So many numbers and so many. You know, <laughs> you know how you know, hard it was to keep track of eligibility this year. It drove me yes. bonkers. <laughs> but that's the, that's the reason there's a lot of buzz around him. And if you can harness that, if you can get him into an offense where it's a pass first offense, and I, to be honest with you. 
I kept turning on North Dakota State late in the year, and he wasn't playing. He was dinged. So I didn't even have an opportunity later in the year to really get a good look at him. I was right. trying to – I'd have to go back to earlier in the year. And I think he's a guy that has a ton of potential in teams like that, and he has a height, weight, speed type of prospect. And that's why we hear that discussion of where he could go instead of where we think he should go. Absolutely. Jake, uh, we've talked about him before, but quickly, again, your thoughts on uh, the kid from NDSU. Later, later receiver you're taking is a guy you're either looking at one or two things and no in between. Either an established guy you think can produce at some variety in the NFL level who has a trade or two that you love or a really raw player who is a traitsy guy all around. Maybe doesn't have the refined skill set and you think you can build them out, right? So you're talking about like Donovan Peoples-Jones who tested off the charts and you feel like you can develop that guy. Or if you're getting to late round three, like we saw Anthony Schwartz, it's a guy who's got what, give me one trait that's going to be good in the NFL. We'll see if that comes to fruition, but that's usually the angle. And it's kind of a similar angle I'm going to take with my next pick, but I think that I would be fine with him. I have no issue there. He's, I think you can mold him into something. Uh, I think I would prefer some other guys around that range, but again, that's just me. That's just me. It doesn't, we're going to learn all about what the Browns want. So we'll see when that comes to fruition. I have no issue though, if, that guy is the actual pick. There's a lot to love there. Yeah. And between him and Traylon Burks, who I took at 13, now you've got twin towers out there. Uh, you, you can do a lot of stuff with that kind of size and speed between those two guys. Okay, Jake, your next pick, you're up. Yeah, I will uh, look at the big board here. There's some guys that are of interest. Maybe, maybe uh, Taylor Britt's your flavor as a corner. Michael, you know, we were talking about right earlier. Or maybe you think an offensive lineman fits here. Tyreek Smith's got a lot of good tape. Josh Job's a fun player. But to me, if I'm double dipping at wide receiver, I really like Khalil. I think he's a really good player, man. Excellent releases off the line. Hyper productive is three years. He's 22 right now. Just turned 22 in February. So he fits the mold on the age. Productive, as I said, over three the last three years. Some seriously acrobatic catches down the sideline. Uh, one-handed grabs, a nice route tree. And again, if you go back and watch the senior bowl tape, practice tape, the guy can get released off the line of scrimmage and create that immediate separation you like. So I think if you're double dipping, I think this guy is a high basement or a high, you know, a high lower level player who can become something more. But I just think he's going to be a nice NFL contributor at the position. So at this spot at pick 105, I know we just took a corner before that, but we've gone, you know, two wide receivers and a tight end. And I talk about it ad nauseum this offseason i need to create plays I need to create explosives what did we struggle with as a franchise last year was putting points on the board and throwing the football to do it so i'm going to try to help out every way i can and give three new uh three new good players at that position so far catch yeah the weapons 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 quickly here or higher retired nothing else going on keep this going until midnight uh I, I don't think we could stay up that long and plus the garage beers guys are coming on nine but i love the enthusiasm we love you guys the guy the regulars here uh on the twitch you guys are fantastic and we hope it continues to grow as more and more people see what we have to offer here we've got some great stuff coming up throughout throughout free agency and draft season uh i'll, I'll go ahead and say it now thursday uh bill carroll uh, the uh, director of HBCU scouting is going to join me right here uh, uh, at seven o'clock on Thursday evening. We're going to talk about the HBCU Legacy Bowl, the HBCU Combine, and some uh, historically black colleges and university players who fit all the Browns guardrails and that he thinks will be on Andrew Berry's radar. That'll be right here uh, this Thursday. We love you guys. Thank you for being here. Sobo, you're up next. Your pick. You're muted, buddy. 
I was just yaw- or just sighing to myself because I hit that point where I'm not entirely comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get to that juncture and you're like, eh, yeah. you know, you. So I'm, I still don't have anything a defensive tackle that's really worth my time. I'm not a Ridgeway fan. Uh, Interesting. You, know, you have Matthew Butler there, Chris Hinton, Matt Hennessigan from uh, Wisconsin. Can I change? Let me see if I can change your mind on Ridgeway. Do you okay. know what his? Do you know what his uh, nickname is? I do not. The Vanilla Gorilla. Does that oh, change your mind? That. Yeah, you're yes. right. <laughs> How do you not have that guy on your team at this point? Really? <laughs> well, it worked before when Trent Williams silverback and <laughs> was drafted, and look how his career turned out. I already went linebacker. I mean, I could go offense at this juncture, but I kind of want to wait. <sighs> look, I know what I said earlier by Michael Wright being there and I'm not as high on him as others within our department but we still have him ranked within the top 100 and with a 7.1 grade which is a solid third round you're getting now in round four he has inside out versatility Uh, I would probably actually want to use him more as a nickel uh, long term than I would having him work on the outside against really quick wide receivers so I'm going to bite my lip a little bit here and and take Michael Wright uh, because, again, our ranking has him higher, so it'll be a solid value. I don't know why it just keeps kicking out every single time I make the pick. Anyhow, underclassmen, Power 5 program. I'm trying to stay within those guardrails that fit what Cleveland does within value of the way we look at it, a bleach report. And while I'm not as high on Wright, I think he fits in from that perspective. Yeah, it's hard to argue. Uh, and again, we're into the we're into day three here, which is where people have to learn to adjust the way they're thinking. Now, the first you know fifteen twenty picks, you know, Jake, I call them the leftovers. These are usually day <laughs> two guys that got pushed out because there's only so many picks in day two, but they're still day two values. The first mm. half of round four in most classes can be considered an, an extension of day two, whether you agree with these particular guys this year or not, that's just the way it is. But for most of day three, you're looking for special teams contributors. You're looking for, like you said, Jake, uh, uh, super toolsy guys that you think you can develop because you're not the Antonio Browns of the world. It's rare. We know his name because it's very unusual for a sixth round pick to be that good for that long. If all six round picks did it, we wouldn't know his name because he'd just be another guy. This is what, so on day three, you have to adjust your expectations. I heard somebody the other day say, well, it looks like, DPJ is going to be a bust if all he can be is a, is a wide receiver three. For a six-round pick, that's tremendous value. That's the opposite of a bust. If you picked him at eight on day one and he was a wide receiver three, then sure, you could say that. But this is where you got to adjust your thinking and, and, and know what you're getting into. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, if, if somebody thinks that he can play, you know, even in a rotational way and can contribute on specials, why not? Uh, I have no problem with that. All right. Uh, my pick here, uh, you know what? I have held off on the tight ends for as long as I can, but something's up with their simulator. Nobody likes the tight ends. I mean, you see Weidermeyer here is 55th and I'm at one Oh five. He's still there. Uh, <laughs> I could take him. I could take likely. I think likely is going to go in the top 50 personally. I think that's where he's going to end up. He's, he might, I think he might be him or McBride are going to be the first tight end off the board, but to make things easy, I'm going to go ahead and take Jeremy Ruckert since we already talked about him and we don't have to waste any more time going over stuff. Uh, you know, we, we've looked at his highlights. We've analyzed him to death, adding him here to the two uh, wide receiver weapons that I already picked and we're golden. We can move on to your next pick, Jake. 
Yeah, let's uh, share my screen. I flip these things around so it gets a little dicey. Um, trying to see if there's an interior player that I like enough. Um, not really. I think I'm going to go Brian Cook here. I think he's a nice he's a nice safety player. A little more box than um, a deep, deep guy, but he can do some of those things too. I know that it's got some listings here. Like I, th- I view Logan Hall as helping that we signed two players in the interior defensive line and just me personally, I don't think they need much of a linebacker. I think that's a humongous reach. And quarterback is kind of, you know, I like Caleb Ellaby if he's still around. So I'll probably play the board a little bit there and go later. But but uh, I do I do like uh, Brian Cook here. I think he's a good value. I think he's a rangy enough player back there. I kind of keep adding. I like MJ Stewart back, but I like to keep adding, right, to that role and keep looking at players because you shuffle them in and out. You know, John Johnson's really got another couple years on this deal. So you need to keep developing players or someone to take cook. Who's been a popular pick for me lately. Sounds good. Uh, we, as usual, we are running long, so we're going to move right along here. Uh, Sobo, you're up next with your pick. Always have to hit the unmute when you have kids in the house. You never know exactly what's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> I'm now going to double dip into wide receiver and on we see Sky Moore there. We've had that conversation. No reason to select him. I'm going to go a little further down because it's someone we're very high on, but most people aren't. Javon Hiley. Okay. Oh, I like him a lot. Now, highly productive. Now, obviously, the Coastal Carolina offense is a little different than what you'll see at the NFL level, but he will leave the program as his all-time leading receiver. We went to the Shrine Bowl thinking to ourselves, maybe we're too high on him. And then we watched him closely in Las Vegas, and he confirmed everything we had saw on tape. Just a smooth operator, great separation. You can move him inside, outside. So a guy highly productive, I just think is because he doesn't have one single trait that blows you away. Right. People don't view him as a quality prospect, but there it's simultaneously there's nothing that he does necessarily wrong either, right? So mm-hmm. you were looking at that high-quality guy that can do everything for you necessary. When you're getting him this late in the draft for us, we have him um, – let me double-check real quick. I just looked 66 overall, and we just drafted him at 117. So you can't get a better value pick there based on our board. Yeah, frankly, I was very surprised that he didn't get a combine invite, um, which, you know, may help if the Browns like him. That may help, you know, it may push him down the board a little bit. I, you know, you never know. But, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that's just solid. He's never going to be a one, like, probably, you know, probably never going to be maybe a two, but he's going to be a guy who you can count on, contributes, and, and is just a solid performer, uh, does everything extremely well, and could, with the way he runs routes, Sobo, I think he could be a definite red zone threat. Exactly. I mean, look, we discussed it earlier. You don't have to be six foot four. You don't have to run a four two. You just have to be consistent in the way with you run and sell routes. And if you do those things, you will find a way to get open as long as you have that baseline quick quickness necessary. And I think one of the biggest things I took from Super Bowl week was a quote by Cooper Cup. Mm. Speed is a luxury. Quickness is a necessity. Cooper Cup was a four-six-two wide receiver, yep. and he can get open anytime he wants. Even he's getting double teamed. They got him bracketed. They got guys, you know, uh, coming over the top. And look at what he did in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying highly is that guy, but don't don't automatically write off wide receivers because they don't have those standout traits immediately. 
when you can see on the field and on the tape that they're getting open and they're making the catches and they're making plays. Absolutely. 100%. We're going to move on to my next pick here. Uh, I am at 116. Uh, some interesting running backs if they wanted to go there. Um, you know, some, uh, I just took a tight end The Asamoah I think is much better than this. I think, I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, but I'm going to do something uh, a little bit different. Uh, I am going to go here and I'm going to take a guy that is a little lower on their board than I think he's going to, than I think he's going to be. And that's Matt Willetsko from North Dakota. Uh, so I don't know how much you've studied him. Uh, he's, he's a tackle. He's six foot seven. He's just over 300 pounds. Um, and, which he looks a little tall and spindly, mm-hmm. but he's very stout. Uh, you know, he, he's a lot more, he doesn't get knocked off balance as much as you would think just from looking at him. And he moves very quickly. The guy's six, seven. I'm always a little worried that he's going to be, especially in an offense like the Browns run, yeah. he's not going to be as nimble as you need, but you watch this guy move around on the field and it's North Dakota. I may have misspoke. It said North Dakota state a second ago. It was North Dakota university of North Dakota. I want to make sure I get the, get the fighting Hawks a, a, a proper plug there in case I misspoke a second ago, but this guy, and not only that, you know, the planet theory that our friend Pete Smith likes to say six foot seven, he's got vines for arms. Even if you, if you're fast enough to get around him, it's going to take an extra second or two just because he's freaking huge. I don't know how much you've studied. Well, let's go, but I really like him in this early uh, day three range. I've seen a couple games of him and, and to your point about, the way he moves, it's surprising. It's it's relatively fluid. It's not it's something I fully expected. And you know, usually when you have those small school offensive tackles, the first thing you want to see is well, can he unlock the hip and get depth? And he can. And that because I learned a long time ago to when your discussion about those big offensive tackles that can't that can't move the way that they need to. It's it's a brown throwback, and this may be dating me. But anyone who remembers Nat Dorsey coming out of Georgia Tech, that he could not unlock his hip. He could not get – and speed rushers beat him constantly because of it. And when you see a guy like Willetsko who has those abilities, yes, it's going to take time. Yes, you want to make sure that he's not – that he can't be forced into a starting lineup right off the bat, much like a Hudson last year. I mean, it's obviously extenuating circumstances are what they are. But if you have him in the proper developmental plan, I think he can be a starting left tackle in time. Agreed. Uh, let's move it along here. Uh, Jake, you're up. Where are we? 154? Yeah, no, I'm at 187, actually. Cause oh, that's right. You made that trade. I moved, I moved back. Right. Um, so I'm going to take the quarterback I want to take a shot on, Ellaby. I'm going to take him here. 21 years old. A lot of traits I like. And um, – so I'm going to take him, see if you can develop him over time. And then with the second pick, I'm going to ask you to come back to me. Pass. Come back to 191 when you guys are there. I'm not ready for that pick yet. <laughs> All right, Sobo, you're up. I'm on the clock. <laughs> I'll switch. Uh, look, I know we've stressed all night guardrails and fitting everything. Sometimes you just got to pay, take best damn player you see on the board. So I'm looking at Neil Farrell Jr. from LSU. Get that stoutness in the middle. Go out and find the depth necessary to really build up defensive tackle. You got DJ Jones. You got Togiai. You have now Farrell, Sheldon Day back. And I think you're much better along the interior than you were when you started the draft. So 
may not quite fit exactly what you want to do, but when you look at him and the way he's graded for us, you know, he's a player we're, we're talking in the second, late second round and you're getting him, you know, in the, what we in the fourth or fifth. I've, I've lost track at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he may be a little older than they like to me, I don't care. I, I want just the quality of player that he can be. Yeah, there's a couple guys in this uh, in this range that we and we talked about one of them when you came on for your Shrine Bowl recap, Marquine McCall. Uh, the other one being Noah Ellis from Idaho. Again, you're you're in the middle to mid late stages of day three. If you can get a giant wall two down player at this stage, it's vastly different than using pick thirteen on a guy like Jordan Davis, who a lot of people think is just a two down player. Whether he is or not, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that's it's vastly different pick one fifty four than pick thirteen. Jake, you had a thought? No, no thought at all. I think oh, you guys okay. nailed it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to do something here. Um, I, this is one of those things, these oddities on these boards that you see. Why is this guy so much lower? And generally, I've learned to just write it off that the people who do these boards just haven't gotten to certain guys yet. Like the TDN guys will have a tackle 350th that everybody else has in the third round. A couple of these simulators here. don't even have them. Like P, P, the PFF right. doesn't have them, and I don't think the Draft Network has them on there yet either. Right. From UAB, from Alabama, Birmingham, Alex Wright. He's getting a little buzz here lately because Dane Brugler, who we all respect, is one of the best in the business, 66th <laughs> on his board. And I'm going to take killing him. You're me, Steve. You're killing what? me. I literally was waiting to pick him next. You guys ah. can still pick the same guy. Yeah, hamburger. Uh, so I'm going to take him 6'7". Well, we'll talk about him then. Uh, 6'7", 270. And to my eyes, looks like he could put on another – 10 pounds, maybe 15 easy without losing a lot of his athleticism. Uh, a, a bit raw, obviously, because of mm-hmm. that size and with his athleticism at UAB, not to denigrate anybody, but he was simply to just able to out-athlete most of the guys in front of him. Didn't really have to have a lot of technique and everything. Now, he's got some a pass rush arsenal. He's got more moves than some people give him credit for, but the jump up in competition uh, it might be. It might take him a little while. I don't think you want you want him to be your first edge. But in this scenario, where he's a depth option as a rookie and a second yeah. year player, I think this is a great spot for Alex Wright. It absolutely is. And like I said, I was considering the same as that move. Now I just have to go somewhere different to make it fun. But when you have that that size and that athleticism, and like one of the things UAB did, they didn't use him as a traditional. The end. It was more of a he would play a lot from the two point stance, and it's like, dude, you're you're six seven two seventy. Why the hell are you playing an elephant? It just it goes to show how talented he has the potential to be. But he's raw, and you don't know exactly what you're going to get, but you're willing to bet on it late in the draft because, as as stated earlier, Planet Theory only so many guys walking the planet with that with that size and natural ability. And I mean, let's be frank, he fits what Cleveland has at defensive end at the moment, right? Yeah, 6'7", 270 looks great on paper. Well, guess what? Miles Garrett's 6'5", 260 and rocked up. Jadavion Clowney, 6'5", 265 and rocked up. These are the types of guys they want at the position, generally speaking. And they don't want the 230 pounds D'Angelo Malone's uh, trying to play right. sub-package end or, or base uh, Sam. They want those guys that are legitimate defensive ends that can not only get after pass rushers, but also set the edge on a consistent basis. Yeah. And it's not like we're, I want to make it clear. We're not saying that those 235, 240 pound edges are not going to make it in the NFL. It's just like you say, situation matters. And what the Browns want across from that big 95, is just a different body type if they can help it. And I think he fits 
more what they think. We're less than half an hour from uh, the Garage Beers guys talking calves at the top of the hour. Uh, so let's keep moving here. Uh, Jake, you're up next at 191. Um, yeah, let me pull up the board here. Um, so I like the idea of an interior D lineman. I, I'm going to break the mold here. I think he's too old. I think I think Neil Farrell's 23, mm-hmm. I think. So if they were ever going to do it for a player that can play and we're going to push the boundaries in a weird class, this is it. So I'm going to push the boundaries a little bit. Big fella with some pass rush production, and I'm going to take him there to uh, see if we can – yeah, they're looking for things, guys. They're young guys, Jordan yeah. Elliott. They're young guys, Tommy Togiai have not produced. They didn't have a real one, real shade last year. Malik McDowell kind of did it because they didn't have a guy who could really do it. I think you need some people there. DJ Jones will obviously help. Settle will help. And then you can push uh, some different looks at the board You know, later on. So I know he's a little older. Um, if he's 24, I'm not quite sure if he's 24. I think he's 23. So just going to hope on that and we'll see when some of that official stuff comes out, but it's late. Right. So it's like in a weird draft, I could see a justification sort of thing happening there. Well, yeah, we've been talking about it and there's a, uh, a comment right here that says it echoes what we've been saying for a couple of months here. It's such a unique class because of the COVID situation and the super seniors and all that kind of stuff. I still think they're going to do everything they can to stay within their guardrails, but especially we're getting the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, in this class, if there's a spot that they're going to bend or break those guardrails, I mean, the, the math tells you that there's just so many guys that are older than normal. This is probably the year to do it. Now, will they? I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it's certainly more possible at this point in this particular draft than at any other point. Absolutely. Sobo, you're up. I feel like I'm in the Matrix and I just experienced deja vu, Jake. I'm yeah. paying attention. I'm sorry. Somebody's at our door. I just got an alert. It's kind of. Alert. <laughs> I want to call him on him, man. I'll, I'll call him on. <laughs> now looking at what's what's still available, I'm going. To, this is more of a personal choice than anything. It's just knowing Cleveland and how guys would fit into their system. So I'm going to go to running back. And the one we discussed before, Stephen, that this is the way I look at him. Pierre, or I almost said Pierre Thomas, Pierre Strong Jr out of South Dakota State. It's my guy. You're going to take him. Six round. And this is – I'm honest to God, this is how I described him months ago when I first first saw him play. I came back to my editor, and I'm like, he's a guy that's going to be drafted in the sixth round by the San Francisco 49ers and become a 1,000-yard back eventually because he fits exactly the, what you need in the outside zone. And he has the speed, more importantly, to actually get to the edge when you're running the outside zone. So with that in mind, that's exactly why I'm going to go with him here in the sixth round. And I think long-term, you're looking at it, Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson, how much longer are they going to be with the team? And even if they are beyond this season, quality depth on a run-first offense, when you know you can, you're going to get dinged at that position, can't go wrong there. Oh, I will add, at the Shrine game, he really impressed me with the way he caught the ball out of the backfield because he wasn't asked to do it too often at South Dakota State. Very fluid, and that really caught me off guard. Yeah, there's a couple of guys uh, at running back in this range that I could see, and and I was considering doing that here. And this is a guy we've also talked about, Sobo. Uh, another guy right there, Keontae Ingram, the Texas transfer uh, at USC. Mm-hmm. I think his skill set fits uh, like a glove to what they like their running backs to do. And again, for many of the same reasons that you just said, we all expect – I don't know if expect is the right word – 
it's a very good possibility that this might be 27's last year in Cleveland. He's going to want more money. He's going to want more carries. He's going to want to start and roll, that kind of stuff. Browns just, unless something catastrophic happens to Nick Chubb, they're just not going to do it. Now, would they like to have him back? Of course. Would I like to have him back? Of course. Is it logical? I think it leans towards no after 2022. So stacking another guy like a Keontae Ingram or a Pierre Strong makes a bunch of sense at this point. Uh, so if you had gone D-line there, I was going to go ahead and take Keontae Ingram. But since you did that, I'll go over here. Matthew Butler from Tennessee, very low on their board. Again, I assume that they uh, they just haven't gotten to him yet because I think he's a lot better than that. I think Matthew Butler, there, there's something there. There's Marquand McCall uh, that you and I have talked about before. Uh, a, a nunny here uh, at Houston is not a name not a lot of people have heard. He's really more of an edge. He's more of a 3-4 type edge. And boy, can he get after the passer. I was really shocked when I started looking at him. He would be a very interesting guy at this range. If, the, if I hadn't just drafted Alex Wright, he might be the guy here as an edge. But I think I'm going to go uh, with Matthew Butler here just because for all the reasons you guys have said, we're drafting interior defensive linemen at this range. They're developable. We need the depth, all that kind of stuff. And I think Matthew Butler uh, is a lot better than this. I think Matthew Butler is more early day three, just in my opinion. So I'm going to go ahead and take him there. You're a little higher on him than I am. I'm just being honest. I think he's it's fine. inconsistent in the middle and he can he'd be – has some Larry Ogan Joe to him. So if all Cleveland fans should know exactly what I'm talking about in that instance. So absolutely. I could have gone with McCall. I could have gone with Noah yeah. Ellis, who's almost 370 pounds. And I think if he goes in this range, sixth, seventh range, he could, if he puts it together, he'll be a steal for whoever decides to take a, a shot at him. But I've picked those guys so many times. I just wanted to no, do something a little different here. So Jake, you're is- up. I think it's our last one. I was going to say Ellis is really interesting to me just because that's what the former four or five star recruit that mm-hmm. was getting big time. Big he originally time signed to Mississippi State. He got, got an offer from Alabama. Yeah. Uh-huh. But his dad coaches at Idaho. So that's where he went. Yep. <laughs> it's the ties to bind, but the talent's well, still had, there. He had some uh, academic issues at Mississippi State, I under, as I understand. Okay. It, and that's why he went there. But yeah, of course, his dad being there. And his dad played 10 years in the NFL. He's got an older brother playing for the Saints right now. The bloodlines are there. Obviously, the technique and everything is what you would expect from a guy who grew up in that kind of a household. And plus, again, the dude's almost 370 pounds for crying out loud. It's, at this point in the draft, getting a guy that big who can give you two downs is fantastic. Jakey. So many of the guys that I like here are not available, like, uh, you know, the kicker stuff that I'm interested in taking a kicker punter. They don't list here. Pierre Strong's not available in this one because they don't have him in it yet. There's really not a ton. I do like Zion McCollum. I think he's a nice, lengthy corner. Um has played pretty well in in, in uh, postseason opportunities. Slade Bolden doesn't get talked about enough. I know Corey was just talking about him as a slot receiver type, but yeah, I'll probably just go like again. I'm I'm telling you, I'd go in a different way here, given the opportunity to go in a different way because some of the people are here, and I would like the Browns to swing at a specialist if they think they're a really good player. Because we all have seen, uh, I, I hate seventh round picks, man. Just like take a shot, throw a dart at a guy on specials and see if it works out. Don't fifth round Austin Seibert that thing, but I would, I would prefer to try it if it's a, if it's a route. You can punt it, you know, punters get drafted every year. So that kid from Arizona, sorry, San Diego State, I think it's Ariaza, right? He's a nice player. Mm-hmm. But I'll take McCollum just for the sake of taking a player here because. I don't know. I haven't done enough studying to feel good about these late round guys, to be honest with you. Yeah. And the TDN simulator for anybody watching that doesn't know, they don't even have specialists listed there. So, you know, it's not even an option for Jake. 
Seventh round, Sobo, you are up. Muted, muted again. Buddy. Every time. My son would say, every time. I'm not taking a <laughs> kicker. It's not happening. I've learned my lesson. <laughs> I know not to invest in the position anymore. Justin Hunter went undrafted. So, no. Or Justin Hunter. Jesus. I give up today. I, I, we've gone gone too long. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Tucker. Um, looking at what's available, I'm just going to go with a personal favorite. Just get another name out there. I'm going to go back to linebacker. But the reason I'm going linebackers in this case is is threefold. With James Houston, the fourth from Jackson State, HBCU mm-hmm. product. But good player. A transfer from Florida. So right. you know he has that athleticism. When we were at the Shrine Bowl, he showed up after being on a flight from the NFLPA Collegian Bowl, two hours of sleep, told him, hey, you're no longer an edge rusher. You're playing off-ball linebacker and Mike, by the way. He looked lost for about half a practice, but then he was one of the most dynamic guys on the, on the field. 20-some sacks over the last – or what, 20-plus 20, 20 tackles for loss this past year, multiple sacks – a guy that, one, you know can play in some packages if you want to rush him, can play off the ball, and three, core four special teamer. So even though I don't go kicker, I find a guy that can contribute on that side of the ball some way or the other. Yeah, yeah, I, I it's it. hard to argue. Um, be sure to screenshot that and send it to me, uh, both you guys, uh, for sure, because like we do every year, uh, every year, every week, we will screenshot them all, put them out all out there on Twitter so everybody can tell us how wrong we are. Uh, <laughs> that's that's part of the fun. I am in my seventh round pick, and there's actually some guys here that I like. Dejean Dixon, uh, the wide receiver from Nichols, is getting some buzz lately. Some people like Reggie Roberson. He's old for the Browns, but at this point, I don't know, but I've already taken two wide receivers, so I'm not going to do that again. I like. I still like Micah McFadden as a linebacker. I think he's athletic. I think he moves well. I think he goes sideline to sideline. Uh, James Mitchell, one of my favorite tight end pro, uh, uh, prospects, uh, just got to find out about the medicals. Blew out his ACL in September of last year, so the timeline works for him to come back from that in time. If he's still around at this spot, I already took a tight end, but if he's still around at this spot and they haven't taken one yet, I wouldn't be uh, at all opposed to taking a shot at James Mitchell. Trey Turner, another wide receiver that I like. There's some guys down here. James Skulls, how is he just now in the draft? Isn't uh, he's so, has been at Clemson forever? Isn't that the guy Woody Hayes punched? I think he's been there for that long. I'm not even sure, but uh, I'm going to do what you two guys wouldn't do. I'm going to go ahead and take a punter because I think I said I would have done it. And this is the sentence (laughs) I never thought I would have said. I think the punter class is better than the kicker class. That's how much of a problem I have with the draft. I have no life. Uh, And the first three guys on the, on the list there, Matareza, Jay Carmada and Jordan Stout from Penn state. Any one of the three, I think if they were going to do it, then I don't know if they will, but in the seventh round, if they're going to try to grab a punter, any one of those three guys would be fantastic. I'm just going to go ahead and take the guy that uh, Jake mentioned a bit, of, a bit ago, uh, Matt Areza. 51.1 yards a kick this year, 44.6 yards net average. And this is actually kind of impressive. He had 74 punts this year, 40 of them inside the opposing 20. That's a hell of a percentage. And when you have an ascending defense like the Browns have, that extra 10, 15 yards, giving them a big leg to put your defense in an, in an advantageous position like that, People think it doesn't matter, man. That extra five to ten yards matters a lot when it comes down to it in the NFL. Yeah. Are, are we ruling him out from doing both jobs? Well, that's the question. I don't think he's as good a kicker as you need, but like you know what happened with 
Pittsburgh where Boswell gets absolutely destroyed, right? right? And they don't have a guy. It is nice to have a guy who's done it because it seems like kickers can step in and find a way to punt, but punters can't step in and find a way to kick very often. That's something I've noticed. Some, but like there's le- there's there's fewer amount of crossover there. So if you could do both and save your roster spot, though, I mean, I'd be all in. That should be the – if I was a kicker coming up, growing up, who could really do it, that's a ticket to an NFL roster if you can do both. Just yeah, long man. snapping. Long snapping is long the key. snapping. Yes. What a job yeah. that is. We have to get uh, Rolf Banerska, get him out of retirement. <laughs> There's a reference for only the other old people. Uh, did it? Did both? He's the last full time one, I, I believe, in the NFL. Did it for the Chargers during the Air Coriel years in the late seventies and early eighties. Rolf Banerska. There you go. There's your old guy reference for the night. Love it. Well, it's fourteen minutes until the top of the hour. Be sure to come back at nine for the Garage Beers guys and some hashtag Let them know Cavs talk. Uh, they got a great guest for you coming up at nine o'clock right here on this bat channel. Uh, we will, of course, like I said, uh, screenshot all of these and tweet them out at some point. Uh, so you guys can review them and talk about them and see all the different guys that we picked. Thanks to every single one of you guys uh, for being in the chats. Thanks to all the new followers. Thanks to all of the new subscribers. We appreciate you more than you know. You guys subscribing allows us to keep doing this. And boy, we love doing this. We love having this Twitch channel. It's given us an opportunity to do so many new things at the OBR, and we really love it. Thanks to Sobo. As always, for coming on, I you just never let me down. Whenever I call, I call Sobo at like five minutes to seven and go, "Hey, can you come on in three minutes?" And he does it. It's fantastic. So before we go, Sobo, uh, tell me how to share the screen on this show. <laughs> Tim away, man. What what do you got coming up that people can people know to find you on Bleacher Report on Twitter? You need to go over that. But what do you got coming up that people can look forward? Tomorrow, to? I will have both a column which kind of deals with the teams that don't have a first-round pick, so names that can kind of be correlated to them a little later in the draft. I will also have the one thing teams uh, each team shouldn't do the, during the NFL draft, and look forward to that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lord knows my conversation today about the wide receiver position didn't go well with some people. <laughs> um, but otherwise, man, I'm just gearing up for next week because I will be in Indy. Um, We'll, our entire staff will be there. So it's just kind of getting ready and set up for our coverage once we're at the combine. As, as always, great to have you on Sobo. You are a, a, a lifelong member of the OBR family, as you know. Uh, we, you're, you're no, there's no such thing as an ex-OBR employee. You are always <laughs> one of us. Jake, you had the uh, piece today about uh, uh, the young guys on the offensive line. You want to go over that and then maybe something else you got coming up for the folks? Yeah, so we I just posted about some of the younger talent, the two guys, James Hudson making strides by the end of the year, and and uh, the fact that I believe Nick Harris could take on the center role if they gave that to him next year. Uh, obviously, there's two looming decisions with big money tied to him and J.C. Treader, who I still believe is a very good, one of the better centers in the entire NFL. Uh, big decision there that I could definitely see both sides of that. And then the, the, the Jack Conklin situation we talked about and how we signed a player around that position and I believe James Hudson took some some really good strides to be a respectable tackle uh, in the NFL. Not nearly a finished product, got a ways to go, but you at least by the end of the year could play him and not feel afraid. And I think that is a fourth round guy developing in his first year, not far removed from switching from D-line to O-line is a really good step in the process. Got a nasty streak that was on display as he got confident at the end of the year and then I started to really like his athleticism, uh, the traits on the athletic side, working into his pass pro stuff still is letting too many people slip by on the outside. 
We talked about that in there too. So tons of discussion around those two important decisions. And then by the end of this week for D-Line Week, I will put out my official stance on whether they should re-sign Clowney or not and look at the production that he gave Cleveland too. So that'll be uh, my end. Appreciate hanging out with both of you guys anytime I can. Two minds I respect a ton. So thanks, guys. Thanks for joining. Yeah, uh, and I, of course, will have another mock draft tomorrow morning that you can hate. I am a giver. I give you one of those every day. I give you an outlet for your anger. Throw it at me. Uh, it's okay. After five days with a five and seven year old at Disney World, I no longer fear hell. So, you know, go ahead and, and yell at me all you want about my mock drafts. For Jake, for Sobo, for Boinka, thank you guys for being here on the OBR Twitch. Ten minutes from now, the Garage Beers guys will be here. Tomorrow night, Fred and uh, Barry with uh, OBR Weekly. And then Thursday, like I said, I'll be back with Bill Carroll, head of HBCU scouting, to talk the HBCU Legacy Bowl and some prospects uh, from black colleges that uh, uh, might uh, interest the Browns. With that out of the way, as always, thank you guys for joining, and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.